All right, here we are, uh, Hunt Fish Thrive for our second episode. Uh, in the first episode, we talked about uh, the preparation for an upcoming elk hunt I had, and now I'm home, and uh, we're talking about the elk hunt. And as we're going to do with Hunt Fish Thrive, as is the purpose of Hunt Fish Thrive, we're going to talk about just hunting stories and fishing trip stories. Um, but we are using this as a context, uh, as a catalyst, to talk about psychology principles, philosophy principles uh, that lead us towards that thriving that we talk about in Hunt Fish Thrive, towards well-being, uh, towards connections, uh, connections with the natural world, with ourselves, with others, uh, and the habitats that we build around ourselves, natural and otherwise. So, so we definitely uh, rabbit trail and branch off into a bunch of different things, um, but that are, we hope, at the heartbeat of what uh, we want this Hunt Fish Thrive movement to be about. Uh, but I'll also tell you a little bit about the elk hunt itself. All right, thank you. Here's the episode. Uh, in the first episode, we talked about me getting ready uh, for an elk hunt. Uh, now I'm back from the elk hunt, and we're just going to kind of review that a little bit and talk about uh, the hunt itself and some life lessons learned and some hunting lessons learned and some different things like that. Uh, we're in the early stages of developing our podcasting style and how we're going to do this. And so today we decided to do a little bit of a format change. Uh, last time uh, we talked, uh, our producer, Wes, was uh, off screen. You might have heard his voice a few times. This time he's going to be on screen with us a little bit uh, and uh, be joining us for that. We'll, we'll want to know what you think about that. Let us know uh, if that's something you like. Uh, if he looks too much like Michael Pena, acts too much like Michael Pena, you know. Uh, forgive him for that, but, um, but he'll be here for some comedic relief. But he's also here to draw out of me uh, the things that we want to try to talk about uh, with Hunt Fish Thrive, which is not just the hunting or just the fishing, um, uh, but the journey of it all. So thanks for being here, Wes. Thanks. Well, you're supposed to undersell so that I can over-deliver, but anyways, we'll just go with this. No, no, no. I'm just kidding. Appreciate it. <clears throat> this guy Wes brings out of me the things I've, I've been needing to say. He's been doing that for um, almost a couple decades now, yeah. which is uh, pretty yeah. exciting in various projects we've been a part of. So looking forward to doing this now uh, for the sake of hunters and anglers and well-being. It's awesome. So you went on the elk hunt today. We're talking about uh, the, well, we can start from wherever. You're obviously back. Um, I am, but um, I made it back, you have, which which was not a foregone conclusion, by the way. I wrecked my truck three times on this elk hunt. Visibly, I saw it when we were hunting last weekend, uh, yeah. deer hunting, and I hadn't seen that side of the truck, and I thought you were embellishing that. And then I went to the other side and was like, "Dang! Like, what did you hit?" Anyways, I hit uh, a mule deer doe, who was extremely committed to going across. That was the on highway. the fender highlight. Yeah, that, that, that was the main wreck. Uh, highlight, grill, hood, yeah. uh, quite a bit of damage, still drivable. Yeah. Um, um, so I hit that uh, that doe, that was, uh, broke my heart, um, but just couldn't get stopped. She was just wouldn't turn back. Mm -hmm. um, also hit a mountain, and I, literally uh, driving down a Jeep trail in uh, my truck, uh, driving F-150, uh, for those of you that don't know. And... Literally, I'm not joking, it's East Fork and San Juan River, uh, I don't know, dropped off maybe a thousand feet right at the edge of the road, goes up a thousand feet on the other side of the road. I mean, this is a major gorge. I don't know, if it's not really a thousand feet, it's a lot, right? And the, tro the, the, the road or the Jeep trail became 
about the exact same size as the width of my truck, which was too much for me. And I had to back down a long way. And I have a topper on the back of my truck and backing is completely a pain in the butt. So I'm backing down this until there's a little declivity in the cliff. Yeah. And I do about a... Kind of hug into it? Yeah, I do like a 47 point turn to oh, get turned wow. around. And I didn't want to go off the front side, so when I was going towards the declivity, I really gave it the gas to back up in there, and I hit a tree and a mountain and uh, busted my rear tail light fender, uh, or real rear tail light. Uh, and then also going down rough trails, I thought, man, my truck's handling these uh, these ruts and holes and stuff really well. <laughs> uh, and later realized that uh, my running board... Um, was completely dented up. That's what was Den- taking yeah, those. Yeah, that was the vent, yeah. Um, um, so, You yeah. think you have high clearance, and then you realize, you know, that actually there was another foot. Yeah, clearance. yeah, yeah no. now that is... Uh, yeah, another foot of clearance there. Yeah, anyhow, so uh, hard on the truck, but yeah. but, uh, but anyway, but I did make it back, so, mm-hmm. so uh, good to be back. Yeah, absolutely. So, um, I mean, where do you want to start? I mean, honestly, just, I, I don't even know it. Honestly, I don't even know if I've heard much of it. I, little pieces of things, you know. Um, I actually gave, I gave you a, a mic. I was like, hey, record on this if you get a chance. And you did, but capturing thoughts. Uh, but, you know, there was that anticipation. We talked about readying, obviously, for uh, going on this hunt. Uh, but then you get out there alone. <laughs> for days. You know, what was that like? It was, um, I mean, I've done things like that before. Uh, Been on trips, hunting trips, fishing trips by myself. But it is more unsettling, or this one for some reason was more unsettling than I seem to have remembered. Um, For some reason, I don't know why. Uh, and, And that was enjoyable. It was nice, as many say, uh, you know, if you listen to, you know, all the, if you make the rounds of the elk hunting podcasts, uh, a lot of guys will talk about how important hunting partners are, um, and a lot will talk about the benefits of not having hunting partners, so you can be flexible, so you can be nimble as far as moving around the country, uh, choosing what spots to hunt, things like that, and so that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do it on my own is so, you know, I could pick up and move camp or I could do all these different things and, and just decide. There was no discussion. It was just, I have this thought, here's what I'm doing. Uh, I like that. Um, and I wouldn't and I wouldn't say it, it got lonely, but it was just discombobulating hmm. to just sort of be standing out there alone and and maybe just in one example. Is this, you know, you're out there, recap, how many days were you out there? I was out there for six days. He's out there six, so day what is you begin to feel this? Shorter than you would like to admit? Almost immediately. Almost immediately. Yeah. yeah. And I think part of it, no. um, I developed kind of this perspective back in the 90s when I was in the Army. Uh, and and uh, I was over in Bosnia. And it was this life-changing experience. I was in my early 20s. Uh, you'll probably hear me talk a lot about it. So it was just really life-changing for me because I'd never been in anywhere in the world. Um, 
And I just remember feeling like I was only half experiencing it because my people weren't with me. So what I'm trying to translate that to is I think I started feeling that almost immediately, not from a negative sense, but just around every turn. Oh man, I wish my people could see this. I wish my friends could see this or, or my kids or my fiance. I wish, I wish the people who care about me and I care about could be seeing this with me. How could I possibly tell them about this? Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, uh, I made a major move about halfway through the hunt and went, um, you know, many miles um, uh, up, a, up a, a forest service road and then through a private ranch uh, on a forest service road still uh, and then climbed way up in the mountains to literally the end of the road um, where after that it's all just wilderness area, just uh, no roads. I mean, I'm at the end of the road, camped, uh, just in this epic scene, grassy meadows alongside a, a, a creek or a river, um, a creek actually, um, and I won't name it, then people know where I was and they'll go to my spot. Um, and just this beautiful mountains, blue sky, campfire, wall tent, and thinking, I can't wait till my son and daughter can come play in this creek. Can't wait till April gets to see this. You know, I can't wait to, can't wait. We got to come back here in the summer. I'm not even thinking about elk hunting anymore. I'm thinking about when can we get back here so my people can experience this. So anyhow, that's, that's sort of more what it was versus being lonely or being scared or you know, yeah. none of that, you know, right. none of that. Yeah, that makes sense, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, so I guess it's from a positive perspective yeah. that that sort of, seemingly negative mm-hmm. thing was happening. Right. It's not like I want to go home, you know, or whatever. Not know. then. Yeah. Um, although, not to cut to the end, um, and again, this is something, it's funny, on the way home, I'm listening to a couple of podcasts where they're talking about their hunts, or I guess this was maybe on the way home and then maybe in the proceed, uh, or post-seeding a couple of weeks, and here's guys talking about how they all went home early on their trips and felt guilty about that, but are learning to not feel guilty about it. I feel like even sort of in the, in the sort of conversation about do-it-yourself public land elk hunts, I feel like just in the last year or two, the conversation has changed from, oh, don't be that guy that goes home early from a hunt. Man, you'll feel like dirt about yourself. You'll you feel like a loser. Nobody's saying that, right? But that's sort of the takeaway to where even it seems like just this year, mm-hmm. um, just this year, more and more people talking about, yeah, I went home early. I wanted to get back to my people. Um, I'd, I'd accomplished what I wanted to accomplish on the hunt, and and I wanted to get back to my people. So eventually that did become kind of wanting to go home, and then, and then uh, maybe we'll talk through how that decision happened later. I don't want any spoilers right now for how the hunt went yet, though. Because you're supposed to not go home until you get something. Yeah. Or the tag season, the season on the tag is over. That's not how it always plays out, though. <laughs> so, so you know, uh, where do we want to? Where do you want to pick up from that? Because that was that was, I do remember us ask, ask about how what it was like in that in that frame. But um, really, honestly, I don't even have. Um, so, what are the things you're bringing back? You know, to share. Um, that's from that specifically, um, that experience. 
I don't even know. I don't even want. I don't even want to color. You know that. You know the conversation there. So, um, you know, you, if you want to just begin. You know, from from what vantage point? You know, it's funny you, know? you, you asked that because I, I I feel like I've almost been leery of processing all that I brought back. Mm -hmm. And I'm not sure why. Mm -hmm. um, a lot of times when I come back from a trip, I'm just, I just want to jibber jabber about it constantly. I think it's not unique to you. I think yeah. all of the people in my world have been a little bit surprised, because I've been back for a little bit when we're recording this. It's, it's not like I just got back yesterday. Um, and it's been some weeks and, and um, I just haven't talked about it much. Hmm. I haven't really showed my pictures. I took, you know, tons of pictures. I haven't really showed those off. I, I, it, it seems like so much of it's just been setting with me, um, which I think is a good thing, but I'm not sure what it is I'm still trying to process. Hmm. Um, of course, we've been doing a lot with getting Huntfish Thrive off the ground, and, and I think that's consumed a lot of our time. And personally, um, I'm planning a wedding, and that's taken a lot of my time. So. I think part of it is it's kind of gotten back burnered a little bit, and, and and but I think it's important to point that out because I hear that from other people. I think and maybe this is sort of the, the the thrive part of hunt fish thrive. We want to go on hunting and fishing trips, and we want to come back and just be like bursting at the seams with all this thriving, with all this that it's brought to our life. Um, and sometimes that is happening immediately, um, and sometimes we're just back home. You know, that old phrase, back to the salt mine. You know, and I, I think that kind of happened on this trip a little bit. Came home and I had a son who decided to uh, not pass all his math assignments the week I was gone elk hunting. And, and, uh, and, 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 and seriously, decided two days after my elk hunt, I'm never going on an elk hunt again until my kid's out of school because I can't leave because my son just decided to totally tank on math, um, you know, while I was gone. And I, I've since changed my mind about that, right? But, but sometimes you just come back and that's what it's to, yeah. you know. Um, you know, so, so all these life lessons, all these things that... Well, actually, you know, even that's part of the process. Right. I mean, to say, I mean, actually, to say out loud that you had sworn it off and, you know, I'm not going back. Yeah, yeah. If life falls apart, then I ain't doing it. Oh, yeah, I was, I was just, you know. and I wanted to be mad and yeah. I wanted to blame and I wanted to... Um, condescend towards myself, OC, yourself, just all these things. So there was, I guess you're, you're, you're reminding me, I see I said you bring these things out of me, you know, that actually it was, maybe that's why I've been avoiding it, because I came home not to um, joy. Um, and, and maybe all that self-manufactured, right? I mean, we can go down the road of, you know, being overly concerned about kids' grades and all that kind of yeah. stuff, right? Um, you know, and, and, and some, one of the things we're going to talk about a ton, uh, you know, in Hunt Fish Thrive is, uh, is finishing business and, and, um, you know, maybe I'm trying to finish business in my son's life with, you know, some things that I struggled with when I was young. But, uh, but anyhow, that's, that's what was consuming. Yeah. When I came home, you know, and then of course, elk season happens on the front side of big game hunting seasons in Texas. So, not to go off on a different tangent, but also when I returned home from the elk hunt, mm -hmm. 
uh, our own hunting season started here. We jumped right into our own deer hunts. Um, we jumped right into uh, the, the Texas Youth Hunting Program uh, hunts that I volunteer for. So I immediately kind of went off on other things uh, and, and really haven't had a ton of time to to uh, to process some of that stuff. Well, and it was also convenient because of that. Um, you weren't like forced processing. I wasn't. Now I am. Right. Yeah, I got to produce right. content for this. Now we got to talk talk through it. You're like, okay. Yeah, now we're talking my, through it. I guess my I producer's making me yeah. actually produce content from all this stuff that I'm going to go do. Yeah. And I guess if I'm going to have yeah. uh, the excuse to go do it, I need to produce some content. Well, you talked about saying like, hey, I couldn't. It's pretty jarring. Just to, two things we talked about. You you mentioned. Uh, hey, my people didn't get to experience this. Yeah. Um, and because, you know, I'm just thinking of like coming back and, you know, like you said, sun, sun math issue you're talking about here. And so these, these things are, are oil and water. But it's like, man, I can imagine like you're... Okay, so a little example was... This is so stupid. I can't think of anything in my life. But the one and only time as an adult got a chance because of a conference... Um, ended up, I was at Disney World, mm-hmm. and I went and saw the, we would call it fireworks at the castle or whatever. And one, I didn't know what I was going to be able to experience. I didn't know what the experience was going to be. So I didn't know what I didn't know. Mm-hmm. Then I experienced it. I had the exact same thought. Like, what a shame that I, I, they did not hear because I can't explain this. And like, and I could, I only came away saying, okay, um, there is no or that example, there was nothing, there's no other fireworks show that I'm going to see that'll ever top this, ever. Yeah. And no one, I got to share it with no one. But then you go home, and I don't have a story to say, you know, whatever, it's an analogy. But you go home, and you have literally the opposite experience, and I don't know, I don't know, you got one, you're just like, okay, I'm not going to reconcile um, this. But it's got to be pretty jarring. Maybe I don't even know there's a better Jarring word, is you know? the word. No, jarring is the exact word. And your example is a great one. Because uh, I, I used to even say, I actually have very few pictures. I'm still not very good about taking pictures on trips. Um, but for the first two decades of my hunting and fishing, I have almost no pictures. I mean, I, mean, I went to Alaska and went fishing and caught trophy fish. I think I have two pictures you know, when I was a young man, just, just for right. just for one example. And I would sort of arrogantly and condescendingly even say, well, if you want to see it, go do it, you know. And, and there's something good in that saying, yeah. you know, something motivating, hopefully. That's what part of what Hunt Fish Thrive is now about. But really, I was saying it sort of smugly like that because I really just needed to say I'm not good at taking good pictures and communicating the experience here. My words and my pictures just so seem to so diminish from you know overused word, but the grandeur of what I just was immersed in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then to come back to traffic and some yeah. jackhole cutting you off because he wants to drive mm-hmm. a little faster and mm-hmm. problems and, uh, problems. Come back, yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna just make, all of it. Come yeah. back I mean, I I was yeah. hard not to have some uh, some what the f yeah. like stuff as I entered back into the city and. Yeah, felt that grandeur, not, I want to say ebb away, but actually it felt like it was being stolen from me, right? And, and we have a visceral, a gut level response to that. 
you know, and it was hard not yeah. to. And then I'm sitting in my truck going, I mean, I'm not even home yet. Hmm. And I want to be angry. I'm supposed to be filled with joy, you know. So it's like, um, you know, it's kind of tough, tough if you go out and you're saying, hey, here's this thriving experience, mm-hmm. right? Which very much was. I'm not okay, it, same, same. kind of got on a tangent here. But, but it, you know, you said the word stole, stole from you. I'm just thinking like, um, that is, I don't know how to, I don't know, you know, like that is very difficult thing to process because, you know, it's, well, one, Hunt, Fish, Thrive is to say experiencing this is going to, is elevating a, a wellness. Mm. Mm-hmm. All right. But you just said, I feel like it was stolen from me. So my thing is that processing something maybe unexpected in this is that these experiences can be taken. Mm-hmm. I mean, this one you was. And so my thing is, is like, I, I, I'm immediately going like, you know, down the road a little bit going, okay, um, is it preventable? Uh, yes. You know, and not that I'm going to sidetrack again, but, and this is way over, this is not to say anything, but they always say about like the, um, this is a little nerdy too, but I read something, I think you read the same book that said when people go off to work, and this is not war, you know, read um, the, uh, which one? There's the uh, Iliad uh-huh. and the Odyssey. Uh-huh. Going to war, young men, read Iliad. Mm-hmm. Right? Yes. Coming home, they need to read Odyssey. Yes. Right? So, again, I'm not making any comparisons. I'm just saying when there's two environments that are so starkly different from one another, um, there is a preparation, which was the last time we talked about. i got to prepare. Mm-hmm. You're preparing to go do the cell hunt. But on the flip side, there's actually another piece of content we should have, and that's preparing going home. Because the word that comes to mind as you say that is there's a preparation and then there's a collision. Yeah. There's a collision. Yeah. It's going to happen. Which is, uh, you, you know, uh, right? Since I had the collision, collisions yeah. <laughs> on this trip. But the collision is going to happen. It's going to happen. So the collision can can and steal it, can steal that, yeah. that that experience, but then the preparation in that actually can um, maybe protect it. Well, you know? and and you, you've you've walked me into this uh, so well, so because. Those that that experience and that well-being and that joy wasn't stolen from me because mm-hmm. it can't be stolen from me. That's actually an impossibility um, because I'm completely in charge of my feelings, which come from my thoughts. Um, but that is a learned skill mm-hmm. to harness or capture those thoughts, um, so that it doesn't then go into the anger. Well, the only way to do that, of course, is to have a collision with it. And then be able to say over time um, to gain more and more ability to say, okay, wait a minute, not to use cheesy counselor language, but I'm feeling like this has been stolen from me. Mm-hmm. But to use a cognitive behavior process or you know, lots of different models that would allow us to say, okay, I'm feeling like that, but is that actually happening? Well, no, that's not actually happening because somebody can't come into my brain or my psyche and take a feeling or a thought from me. Mm-hmm. So... So what is happening? Hmm. Well, um, there is more traffic here than on the Forest Service Road way up in the mountains. Hmm. Although there can be some traffic jams on the Forest Service Road way up in the mountains during second season over-the-counter Colorado elk. There's no doubt the Orange Army was in force, which we talked about in the preparation. Um, But to, to be able to say, okay, you know, there are these things. But that doesn't have to mean 
I get angry or that something's stolen or, or whatever. To develop that ability to separate context, situations, yeah. from visceral feelings, feelings that just sort of come up out of our guts mm-hmm. without having been thought about, but then to see those, challenge them, and adopt or formulate and adopt a, a viable alternate thought. And I'm just sort of using cognitive behavior therapy. Uh, uh, I, I send my clients to, a, to an app called The Thought Diary. Uh, it's a free app. There's lots of them out there that you can kind of help you walk through this, right? So then you would adopt a viable alternate thought. It, it, and what's wonderful about the alternate thought is it just has to be viable. Doesn't have to be true. Just it just needs to be able to be true, mm-hmm. right? So, here's one: My son missed me so badly, and wanted to be on the elk hunt with me so much that he could not concentrate on math. All he could do was sit in math class and think, "I want to be elk hunting with my daddy." I have just as much evidence that that's true as any other of these goofy thoughts that I might have that make me think Mm. that this is being stolen from me. Just as much proof. Mm. In fact, when you come down to it, and this is what gets exciting about challenging that process and identifying the alternate thought, not only do I have just as much evidence, which is almost none, for this being stolen from me, I know my son missed me and wanted to be elk hunting with me. Yeah, that's true. I know that actually is a fact. Mm -hmm. I don't know that that's why he made bad grades on math. Mm -hmm. But here's the question, and here's what I encourage folks to challenge. Can this be true? Yes. Mm -hmm. Would would me treating it as if it's true be harmful to me or anyone else? No. If it would, then then it's not a cool and it's not viable alternate thought anymore. Um, If it'd be harmful to self or others, but that wouldn't be. Is it delusional? Again, delusion. Maybe it is a little delusional, but but delusional in a harmful way. No. Does it make me feel better and do better? Yes. Right. Like I can't wait to talk to my son now this evening. I'm gonna go back and we're gonna have another conversation now mm-hmm. about that math week. We've had many conversations about it since then. By the way, um, we're gonna have another one now. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, and that's an example. I didn't, I didn't even intend. None of this is a setup. We're just doing this on the fly, right. right? Absolutely. But there's an example of an alternate thought. Now I'm thriving again. Mm-hmm. Literally inside my body is exploding <laughs> with joy again, right? That's how it works. That's how the cognitive process works. And, that's, yeah. and, and, and life, of course, gives us infinite opportunities yeah. to practice this. Or practice doing it the other way. It was stolen from me. I was a victim. Mm-hmm. You know, da-da-da-da-da. Mm-hmm. Um, versus, okay. And this can feel good-ish in a way, and that's a whole psychology thing, but and this can be difficult mm-hmm. to challenge that. And sometimes, I mean, I always tell clients, sometimes it doesn't lead to an epiphany or to something that feels wonderful, but... I don't know, I've been doing this a long time. It usually, I, I can't even think of an example of where it wasn't like, man, that feels great. And it was easy to come up with an alternate thought that felt wonderful. It wasn't like pulling teeth or something. People think it's going to be. Yeah. Well, I don't know. You know. Yeah. 
Well, we didn't mean to go there, but boy, we no, got there, no, right? No, we um, did. There's some cognitive behavior therapy. Yeah, no, it's very, very real. Um, no, that's awesome. Well, I mean, it's. I'm just glad I can be here to help you process that alternate. But, you know, seriously, on that, um, you know, and, and this is kind of what we've said we want Hunt th Fish Thrive to be. We don't have a campfire here in front of us, but um, we're not in a hunting camp or... We're not sitting on the dock at the coast. Uh, times where these conversations do naturally come out, but but that's what we wanted to try to create here because having a an observer brings that stuff out in us, which is why telling the stories, which is so consistent with hunting and fishing, yeah. you know, is so important. And and what we're trying to tie here. How many people came home? How many people come home? From these types of hunts back to their life all of them let's hope yeah well those <laughs> those, that, those that come home okay you know i'm just saying uh you know from the orange army mm -hmm. i mean whatever whatever the total which i'm a part experience. of by the way the orange right. army okay that's good fair enough yeah fair yeah. enough it's would, not a bust would, on them i would it's just i'm using them to describe yeah. Oh, I know amount. you're not, but I want to make yeah. sure I'm, I'm not creating sort of yeah. a derogatory thing because I'm in the Orange Army, man. I'm that yeah. dude driving around in my pickup, <laughs> like, with uh, not having any idea what to do next, yeah. you know. But it, I guess my point is many, yeah. many, many people all, all have the same experience, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. uh, you know, when you've talked about, what's his name, Randy? Newberg. Newberg, right? Okay. So, yeah, he's got how many, how many elk hunts under his belt, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Right? So the thing is, you'll never have another one where you come back and to this unprepared. So in a sense, the experience is a preparation for next year. Talk about the next okay. Now you can say, son, how could, you know, maybe there's something else you can do in, in helping him. We just were in the garage preparing. Maybe there's a preparation for him, yeah. you know, until he can join you. Yeah. Versus dad just gone. Yeah. You prepared. We talked about preparing in you know your mind and heart. Am I ready? Do I have what it takes? You know, mm -hmm. uh, you go experience something you just mentioned. Where I wish my people were with me. Okay, he's having the opposite feeling. I wish I was with my dad to experience. It's the same feeling. You know, you're gone. He's mm -hmm. not experiencing it. You are experiencing it, and you're on two sides of the different sides of the same coin. Mm -hmm. You're saying uh, I get to experience it. They've missed out. They just know they missed out. Yeah. Right. You know. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but it's still it's it's still that feeling. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyways. So so point. so the next the next one. Who knows? Who knows? You know. Well, for example, came Christmas buying time, um, and uh, I did I, I didn't think about it in the context of what you're saying, but I found some books. I found a series of books. Mm -hmm. In fact, um, I should name them, but I can't think of the author's name just right off the top of the head, uh, of my head. But number one. It's titled The Elk Hunt, uh, about a boy that goes on an elk hunt, I think, with an uncle or a family friend or something, and then come to find out, then he goes to a ranch, and the next month, we're going to be reading these books, right? Mm -hmm. It's like like Little House on the Prairie for boys. Which, by the way, we will uh, put a link, uh, this is YouTube, on the, in the description. Okay, for that'd that be book. great, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, cause so, in that description, you can find that same book. So Perfect, thank you for, uh, for that, because I'd love people to be reading these, to try to create some of that picture. Yeah. Right. And we started reading the book recently and, you know, it took us like 30 minutes to read half a page because elk hunting stories mm -hmm. started. Oh, OK. What he's describing here. Mm -hmm. Man, let me tell you about this. Let me tell awesome. you about that. You know, yeah. um, 
So, uh, so that was cool. Hey, I want to divert us real quick, and yeah, uh, and you can edit this out later. Yeah, sure. But but let me ask you a quick question. As we were talking about that, mm-hmm. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, uh, but as we were talking about that, I saw emotion welling up in your eyes a couple of times. I believe, uh, as we as when, yeah. right when I first said that about about which part? Yeah. Maybe Caleb's over there thinking, you oh. know, I miss my daddy, and I wish I was on that elk hunt with him. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just a second ago, when you were talking about you know preparing your son for that, I, I thought I saw emotion mm-hmm. welling up in your eyes. Yeah, you? I think um, because as, as the second time you've maybe asked that or whatever, but um, there are things that uh, maybe you're seeing. Um, I think I think when there's something that hits to a, an emotional heart of something, mm-hmm. uh, connection in, in either relationships. I mean, obviously, I'm a I'm a father of three three boys. Awesome boys, right? Um, and an awesome daughter. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. And um, I I think it's me putting myself in that place. Just right. Of... It's a deep empathy. I have an ability. I think naturally to go. I didn't experience it, but I can ima- I'm can. i imagining what you experienced, yeah. and I show emotion. So it, it, it could come from, again, I know people say it comes, you know, um, you know, you blame genetics from per- whatever, but I had a, I had a very, I had a uh, grandpa, uh, mm-hmm. my, my mom's dad, mm-hmm. who just would cry like a baby, mm-hmm. openly, in front yeah. of people, yeah, hug. Very emp- empathetic. He just, he had no m- care to show emotion. Yeah. And you just emotionally, just you know, um, and I believe my mom's an, you know kind of emotional type, okay. whatever. Yeah, he gets okay. creative. He, I'm a creative person. He was creative. He loved drawing and stuff. He never did anything with it. My mom as well. I think I, I think I get that sense okay. from them. Okay. Uh, my dad told me once at his grandpa's funeral, the the grandpa he loved, that he said uh, he says he thought about crying once. <laughs> but the truth is, I, I he's not making it up. He's that, not trying to be that, tough. That sounds like my right? dad. Yeah. And so the thing is, is that. I mean, if my dad ever teared up, I don't have a memory of it. Yeah. If I just yeah. seeing it, you know, as yeah. a kid, okay. and that's and there's nothing wrong with that. I just that's just my dad. Um, but I I have no problem being emotional, and so like I feel you're seeing me really connect. Well, and so uh, if there was something personal that was, I have no problem saying it. Okay. Um, but I, it's like literally, I put myself in there, and then I saw my sons. It, it, right. And actually, by that, not to get into it. I felt I just learned. I'm learning right now mm-hmm. when I do go on that hunt and they can't go. Because what you've done is you saved me, uh, and that's maybe the truth of it. You're saving me that experience to, you know, I said, not lose it. But, you know, it, what, what's the saying? You know, like, don't make mistakes to learn, just learn from other people's mistakes. Mm-hmm. And this is not a mistake, but I'm using this oh, as yeah, an analogy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Experience. Like, yeah. You had the experience, there's no reason that. It'd be, I don't know, there's probably another statement where you just blindly go through life not realizing that you're so much to be learned. Oh, yeah, somebody famous said, you know, the you know? unexamined life ain't worth living. That's yeah, my, you know, that's so my it's paraphrase. Like, yeah, there you go. That, that ain't accurate. Is that but but um, <laughs> I, look, you, if, as long as you say it's paraphrased and mangled, you can quote anybody you want. There you go. There you go. Good <laughs> but, but I guess, you know, because you asked that, and, and that's just, and I'm glad you dug into that. It's very key. I didn't go on the trip, obviously. Yeah. Um, but you bringing bringing me along and then allowing me to um, be in that and kind of envision that. Well, and uh, because that's part of what I do too. Is like if I'm like I ask, I am asking the question as we talk. You know, in these conversations, like um, you know, like 
what would I want to know? Like, what did he experience? Okay, and I'm like, I'm driving the truck home. It's it's whatever, and then I can see, you know. Uh, at, so those are those are kind of connecting dots too. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And, and maybe just to tie that up real quick. Um, As I drink my coffee. Yeah. Thanks for thanks yeah. for sharing that. Um, I totally just lost my train of thought. Mm. Uh, not because you said that, I just lost it. You know, mm. when you get old like me, that happens. And mm. A couple of bangs on the head and what have you. Um, but can I, you know, just we, again, and if, if this kind of, if you come back to it, that's fine, you know. But, um, you know, I, I, just being, they call them empath, or I don't know, or whatever. Well, you know? it is. So a couple things. You, you reminded me on both counts there. Um, let me say the one I forgot first. Um, uh, creating that vision. I mean, that's that's what the 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 oral tradition and, and narrative is about. And again, not that hunting and fishing own that, um, although some anthropologists do have strong suggestions that society had at its roots, um, so, I'll go into this too much, but some collaborative stuff about hunting. Yeah. Um, and uh, so, so you being, you saying, you know, create that vision, um, of course, the Bible tells us without vision, the people perish, right? Um, so that can mean a lot of different things. But, but uh, I appreciate you saying that, that the way we're talking about this kind of gives you a vision, not just of the hunt, um, but of family and of relationships. And not, not only how you can use that on a hunt, but how you can use it in a bunch of realms of life. So anyhow, um, other thing I want to comment to real quick and we'll move on. Uh, and I'm not going to go too far down this road, but you are an empath. Empathy and sympathy are two different things. So I'm going to sort of do a little psychology uh, uh, education right quick, um, especially for all those men out there that don't want to think sympathy or empathy. Uh, empathy is mostly in the brain. Sympathy is more like feeling bad. Um, we'll, we'll talk more about this in a future thing in, in Hunt, Fish, Thrive, because I do think this is really important to teach. I teach this in counseling constantly. Um, um, most men have the ability to be extremely empathetic, but maybe not sympathetic, and that's okay. Um, and, and people in general, I'm not picking on men here, um, but Empathetic is the ability to conceptualize what, what is happening or what somebody's going through or what have you. Uh, and that's creativity, like you said. And, you know, versus sympathy is just feeling bad, which I have none of. People are shocked when they sometimes uh, hear I'm a counselor because I have no sympathy. I tell kids all the time. I probably told your kids when we went hunting with them. Listen, if you fall down and get hurt or if something happens and you cry, I'm going to laugh. Uh, I'm going to laugh at you you know, but then if we're going to have a conversation, I'm going to express a lot of empathy, right? So anyhow, to go back to what you were saying there about empathy, that's just a, a little bit on it. There's obviously a whole lot more to that. Um, and I should say, when you see me disappear, so we still have batteries and things. So oh, yeah. See, you're seeing behind the scenes part of this as we work out a process. So uh, when you see me disappear, I wasn't going to the restroom. I already did that. No, that'd be uh, weird. That's good. Um, no, that is good to see behind the scenes because I'll segue into that we're developing as we have these conversations and we're just asking folks to join us in that development right. of the vernacular of hunt fish thrive of the style of hunt fish thrive 
I mean, the, I, connecting well-being and relationships and, 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 and all these things that we're connecting with Hunt Fish Thrive, that's not new, right? Wonderfully, hunting and fishing have a long and rich tradition of philosophy and poetry and and seeing esoteric things, you know, and, and you know, uh, nobody's shocked when we head offshore on the boat and I start crying. Um, you know, again, if somebody cuts themselves, I'm going to laugh at them, but then I cry at the sunrise through the storm clouds heading offshore out of Port O'Connor, you know. Um, but that's not unique. I mean, that's that, that cuts to the heart of people. I mean, that's something that's already exists in hunting and fishing. What we're trying to do with Hunt Fish Thrive is make a very direct connection between those things and and some some tenets of psychology and philosophy and, and some things like that uh, to try to empower this whole deal, right? Individually, collectively for the community of Hunt Fish Thrive, and really for our society. I, I, listen, I really... We'll get, again, we'll be talking more about these kinds of things, but but the big dream is I, I think hunters and anglers are some of the best folks in the universe, and 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 not only need to shrink back from mainstream society because we're worried about what people think about what we do as hunters and fishermen, but be the leaders in hunting uh, or in society as hunters and fishermen, and and we're not that far removed from that. You know, I mean, we are not a couple of election cycles from any presidential candidate having to have his his token pheasant hunting picture, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so not, again, to go down that road too far, but just as we do these initial podcasts, we're talking about a, an elk hunt in this case, but also behind the scenes is what brought that out, developing this this entity of Hunt Fish Thrive, not a company, but a a movement um, that we want people to be a part of. Mm-hmm. So, anyhow. Awesome. Yeah. So, you want me to tell you about the elk hunt? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. So, I'm not going to sidetrack. I'm not going to rabbit trail anymore. Yeah. We'll just talk about the elk hunt. So, uh, went on my elk hunt, second season, Colorado, which is over-the-counter tag. I didn't have to draw, which means lots of other people can do the same. Lots of folks there. Um, I've been in the unit a little bit before. Um Went a day early, drove around the unit, or actually the day I got there, left super early from here. Um, got there about 2 o'clock in the afternoon, um, so I had three or four hours to, I had planned some trailheads and some places that I wanted to drive and see how many people were there, mm-hmm. see what the country kind of looked like. Um, you know, for example, I drove up to what I thought was going to be my main area. Mm-hmm that I'd been looking at at topo maps and stuff. When I talked to the biologist uh, from Colorado Parks and Wildlife that was over that area, I'd mentioned this area. And he didn't burst out laughing at me, but he asked me, have you ever been in that country before? And I said, no. And he said, okay, you might take a look at it. Uh, And when I drove up to the trailhead, I saw why, because it basically went up straight up 3,000 feet, which was just like, duh, why didn't I, I saw them topo lines on the map, but never counted them. You know, uh, and it was just like, yeah, uh, I want that to be able to happen someday, but my Texas Flatlander legs ain't ready for that. Um, and But that was good because, uh, you know, I went and checked out some other areas. 
found an area I liked, um, and, uh, and, and decided, um, actually I found an area I liked, set up an initial camp, broke my camp stove, making myself some coffee, camp stove I've had for 25 years, um, had failed to follow the principle that I, I've heard actually on a on an offshore fishing podcast, but but apparently said by the Navy SEALs, uh, two is one and one is none. I'd failed to do that, so I had one stove. So then I had to drive all the way back to town um, to buy and, and go to about six different stores uh, on the day before over-the-counter elk season started. So there's like eight million people at the Walmart sporting goods section. Um, actually found a stove in a hardware store. Um, and by the time I got back into the hills, I had to make a plan adjustment, um, which turned out to be good. So I made a plan adjustment for opening morning, and there was just a trail, and I just decided I'm going to walk down this trail. Unscouted, um, not really well prepared there. Camped that night, hopped up the next morning, you know, an hour before daylight. Jump on this trail, well, you know... It's an unmarked trail, but it does appear, uh, not on a map, but it does appear on Onyx and some of these things. So, you know, there's 10 other guys, right? Lots of Texans up in Colorado, though. So me and this fella start talking, uh, and uh, he spills the beans that, uh, uh, which I knew this part, that this trail was on a ridge above private land with irrigated alfalfa. Really good feed for these elk. Right, and I'd seen all this on on mapping and stuff. I mean, I knew that, but he admitted that three days before they had seen 250 elk in that field, uh, to include a bunch of bulls bugling. Uh, so we're walking along, and uh, he tells me kind of where he's going, and I haven't decided where I'm going yet. And we're walking up this trail. Um, I hadn't decided where I'm going because he told me where he was going, and that's exactly where I'd planned on going. And I feel like he kind of owned that. Um, well, in the dark, we start hearing a bull bugling, you know, just screaming. And uh, so I stop. He, keep, he, he keeps going. I stop. I, I haven't decided what I'm going to do yet. Another guy comes along uh, with, with uh, his hunting companion. Uh, and um, I talked to them the day before as well, or, or not that morning, the day before. Um, and uh, he said he had seen a few spike bulls, you know, young, uh, not legal bulls uh, there the day before. He, he seemed to think that bull that was screaming was a hunter calling, uh, which I didn't feel like it was. And so he kept going. Maybe that was just his reason to keep going. I don't know. Well, this bull's getting closer. That's still pitch black, dark. But I go off the trail towards, this, I wouldn't call it a cliff, but it drops off precipitously down into this field, maybe a half a mile from this irrigated alfalfa field. Um, and, uh, so I set up, you know, just in the dark, I don't really know what I'm setting up on. Well, now I'm hearing brush popping, trees popping, this bull is screaming, cows are calling. There's a whole freaking herd coming towards me, right? It's getting lighter. It's getting lighter. Still not legal shooting light. 12 minutes, and then I get kind of distracted because these other, still people, it's like a freaking train of people coming up this trail. And these guys come up the trail and they hear the bull screaming and they come off the trail towards me. So I'm waving my 
green headlamp hoping they'll see me and bow off. No, they just set up like 50 yards away from me. Probably more than 50 yards, 100 yards maybe. Too close. So now I'm worried all about them. And the elk have kind of stopped a little bit. I was worried they spooked them. And, um, but I'm settled, kind of like whatever. They're doing their thing. I'm watching for daylight. They'll elk still call a little bit. And I realize off this drop, this is 12 minutes before legal shooting light. Very strict on the exact minute when legal shooting light will be here. They enforce that very... I mean, we should always... Legal shooting light being 30 minutes before official sunrise, not 30 minutes before kind of sunrise. Like, and they print this, they do this well in Colorado, and then they enforce it. And I don't know if one of these headlamps game warden, I wouldn't have broke the law anyway, obviously. Um, but I'm like watching my clock is what I'm trying to get at here. Exactly 12 minutes before uh, shooting light, that bull's standing 20 yards in front of me. Huh. I can see him. 20 yards. Legal. Golly. <laughs> not like... A super monster, and it's 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 yeah. it's too dark to tell too much, but definitely a a wide, long branch antler bull standing right there. It's crazy, right? Well, he busts me hardcore, right? I mean, he barks, he wheels on a dime, and the whole freaking woods explode. I can't know, but I've heard lots of cattle run through the brush and lots of stuff. I'm going to say there were. 15 to 20 animals in that herd, right? I mean, they just explode through there, huh. right? But they weren't spooked hard. Mm-hmm. I didn't know exactly what I was, and and sounds and distances kind of deceptive, at least for me in those in those thick woods. But I'm going to say they didn't run any more than 100 yards, right? And then just start kind of easing up the mountain again. Um, of course, lots of guys have gone up that way. And, and spoiler, subsequently, when it did get shooting light, I heard four to five shots come from up where they went. Mm-hmm. And I know at least one bull was killed up there uh, early on. Um, but that happened later. But I stay there because I can still hear some movement down in there, and who knows what might happen. And the bull starts, uh, a bull, I should say, starts bugling again but more subtly. Seven minutes later, five minutes before legal shooting light, I kind of thought, I was a little bit in a surreal place. Another bull is standing in that exact same spot, you know, 20 yards in front of me. Of course, it's five minutes before shooting light. I'm going to see him playing his day, right? Legal bull. Not as big, small, branch antler. There got to be four points in Colorado on one side. He was the legal bull. All right. Um, I did look at him through my scope. Not that I was going to shoot him, but, I mean, it was an easy shot. It was an easy shot. Could have killed him easy. All right. Plenty of light at five minutes before shooting light. But I didn't, didn't shoot him. And uh, he stood there and looked at me for n- not a long time. And wheels, and he's gone. Right. Wow. And that was probably a satellite bull, what they call a satellite bull, that was following that herd with mm. that big herd bull. Yeah. Um, that was opening morning. I sat there for, you know, 30, 40 minutes after sun comes up, nothing. You know, that was the herd. Right. But I can, st- I've heard some gunshots up the mountain from me. I can, st- I've heard some calls. Well, of course, then when I look, you know, I, I realized I accidentally set up on the Elk Highway, you know, 
Mm -hmm. I'll, by the way, be sitting there opening morning next year. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and that's a part of this, by the way, is, you know, you got to do the, I mean, I learned the spot mm -hmm. totally accidentally, you know. Um, and, uh, but anyhow, so this, this draw goes up way up into the mountains and I just start working along there up through the morning and I'm just looking at cool stuff and, and, uh, seeing lots of elk sign and, uh, How many people at this point do you see after getting off that main kind of trail? Now, I mean, you as you're doing these other things, are you do you see other people? Actually, saw zero people. Okay, um, but that does factor in because I'm kind of walking along the cliff edge here, which I don't know is necessarily right, and, and get about as high as you can go. Yeah, uh, you know, so I'm I'm kind of paralleling that trail that's just a dotted line on on, on X. And I get up pretty high and, and kind of get cliffed out where, where I can't go any farther because of the cliffs. Uh, so then I'm going to cut in. Basically, I'm going to end up doing a big loop. Well, I get up and, and, and uh, now I'm up in the snow. So where I started, there was no snow. Now where I am, the, the snow is probably six inches deep, um, deeper in some places. And, man, I'm in a... I'm in a hot spot. I mean, they're smoking elk poop. Hmm. I mean, literally steaming in the snow, melting into the snow, tracks. Um, and this this bull or a bull lights up. This is 11 o'clock in the morning. Hmm. Just lights up, starts bugling. I don't know, no more than 200 yards away, but it is thick, super thick. Um, but he is screaming. And some cows start calling. And I'm between them. Well, no, I'm not exactly between them. Him, the cows, and me would form like a triangle. Not like a right triangle where all the sides are equal, though. I'm close to the line mm -hmm. to almost make it where I'm between them. And um, a preparation thing hit me. I wasn't super confident in my cow calling. And I should have been. Because he's going to go to those cows. Now, by the way, well, so those cows are calling, bunch of them. Like, I don't know, four or five cows at least, like a group. They'd call over each other. Um, so I, set, I find as big a clearing as I can find. I can see about 80 yards. He's getting close. And, he's, and, and I'm on more of the trail, and they're sort of up on the hill, so I think he might come to me first, mm -hmm. he's coming. Huh. I do, I do whisper out a couple little call, uh, elk calls, mm -hmm. uh, cow calls, and he's coming. He is coming, and I'm freaking, right? And a shot rings out. Really? At least one of those other cows that was calling was not a cow, but was another dude calling. Now, I don't know if they were working some kind of herd or calling thing, and it was all them calling, but it was multiple cow voices, like, at the same time. Mm -hmm. So maybe they were between the herd and him, too. Mm -hmm. um, but a shot rings out. Hmm. Now, it was pretty close, so I might not have heard the... There's a thump when mm -hmm. you hit what you're shooting at. Sometimes, most of the time, not always. Sometimes, depending on the angle, you can't hear it. There was not that. And then after about 30 minutes, I, I sat there for a long... So I didn't know if they even hit him. Of course, he shuts up. 
And it was, I believe they were definitely shooting at him based on, you know, where everything was. Um, so to your question earlier, was I seeing more hunters? Well, maybe. Mm-hmm. And I just didn't know it. I was moving. I might have walked past guys that were sitting or whatever. Um, and then they start yelling about 30 minutes later. I couldn't, I, loud enough where I can hear them, but not loud enough where I can hear what they're saying. So I don't know if they hit that bull or not. Um pretty wild it well i mean it was a crazy first morning uh i just like i you know like you're i don't know it's pretty i don't know to think of the being on almost on top of each other you're in this thing and then there's a shot it's like it's like kind of surreal so like you're like i'm over here experiencing a hunt feeling like i am like I'm Jim Bridger 200 years ago, all alone by myself in the mountains. And you're experiencing their hunt. Yeah. And, and I mean, come, come to, then, I, then I'm watching a hunting show. Yeah. yeah. Kind of weird. It, it was a little weird. Yeah. Yeah. And it could be a little scary. I kind of yeah. purposefully sort of have not allowed my mind. Yeah. Because I think if there's certain things you don't want to think about, like when you're swimming mm-hmm. in the lake, you just don't want to know what's underneath mm-hmm. the water, right? Yeah. Like why bother? Who cares? I don't want to think about that when I'm up there because then you won't go. But you know, like, but it's a little, little scary yeah, a little from scary. a safety perspective, so, which is why the orange, yeah, is such a big deal, right? Right. So you know, and you know, I don't know. This is not analogy, but in fishing, you come across, you, know, you mess up somebody's fishing, you know, like, like you see them sorry, missing, you know, right? Yeah. Um, but uh, you know, the equivalent to that, and you know, you're like, like I literally could like step over somebody sitting yeah. there, walk by, or walk in front, or oh, and I had, you know, uh, and like, yeah, on Elk two years ago, yeah, I thought I was sneaking along, and there's a dude sitting there, like yeah. literally twenty yards away. And he's, you know, could literally be going. He never even waved at me, so he might have been asleep. <laughs> but I mean, but, like you know that you know, like to your point, you know, like um, man, this, those interactions are, are pretty interesting to consider. Well, because uh, I mean, there I, could be I, actual interaction. You could walk past them, but then there could be an interaction. Oh yeah, you know, uh, and and a hunter was killed in Colorado this year. Really? Uh, yeah, um, and it'll it'll be a law changing thing probably. Wow. Uh, in rifle season, we have to wear orange, mm-hmm. uh, which isn't a problem because you know you're not during archery season. You don't have to wear orange. It will happen then because you're getting so close to the elk that yeah. they feel like that would be a detriment. Well, there's a one week or 10 days or whatever it is, I'm not sure, um, where muzzleloader firearm season overlaps mm-hmm. archery season I see. Yeah. and a muzzleloader hunter. I don't know all the details, yeah. but that's 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 And what there happened. wasn't an orange air in that So the archery point. hunter yeah. didn't have orange on and, oh. and got shot. And again, I don't know the details. Um, Wait, muzzleloader got shot? No, no, the muzzleloader guy shot the archery guy. Oh, wow. Yeah, and... Um, and uh, if I say any of those details wrong, the point remains yeah. that this, back to the safety point, that there's some legitimacy um, and, and there, you know, there's maybe some laws change out of that, which they're debating. And, and uh, you know, of course, like most things, kind of like I said when I was in the Army or when I was a shark fisherman, the most dangerous part of any of this is the drive down the highway to the place. Yeah. Right. You know, it's dramatic when a hunter's killed, but the reality is more hunters died on driving to their hunts on the highway than got shot. And that'll probably never, I mean, that'll, you know. Yeah. It's it's because uh, in society we've accepted that risk. Yeah. We're not making light of anything, obviously, or whatever, but 
But, you know, there's some yeah. things we just accept as That's safety right. issues. That's right. Is the point. Well, at least uh, even on so, the road and here. So no point in thinking about it, really, right? Yeah. You know. That's right. Yeah, I live on three. I mean, you know. Yeah, but I'm saying, but like no in Texas, thinking. it's common. You see the sign. It's, it's yeah. adding up the, yeah. you know, and it's like, okay, it says 3,000. It should strike me. It should. But if yeah. it said 10,000, you know, like what number would strike me? But I get yeah. what they're trying to do. But if you're the one, it's only oh, one. Oh, no, yeah. it's that yeah. your family yeah. member or whatever. Yeah. I mean, like so, uh, one is, yeah. you know, it should be zero. Yeah, exactly. But uh, so yeah. to your point, yeah. it's just that accepted yeah. risk. I mean, and I feel yeah. it here when you use an analogy because my, my almost 16-year-old daughter is where she's doing her learner's permit and yeah. we're driving and it's like, yeah. where are you watching? Yeah. <laughs> she's driving. Yeah. You know. And we'll talk about this more later, but that daughter that... Got her first two deer the other day. Yeah. Was just as excited as a human can be. Oh my gosh, it was amazing. Uh, it was amazing. And we'll it talk. Was. We'll talk in detail about that in the future. But real quick, um, so yeah, to, to kind of what we, what we were talking about there with the safety because that happened. You know, gunshot there. You know, uh, you know, fifty yards, hundred yards away, um, and uh, and my distances could be off. You know, it's deceptive in the mountains like that, but close. Um, you know, I mean, the bulls bugling so close enough, and this may be old hat to people who are more experienced, but I mean, that I can hear him inhale hmm. to do his bugle, mm-hmm. right? So, mm-hmm. well, it's close, mm-hmm. you know. Um, so, um, but anyhow, uh, hunt around the mountains still, find a big clearing that, you know, and I'm kind of tired by now. I mean, I'm a lowlander. I've done about, I think I've done about eight miles at this point. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's a good hike, yeah. you know. Uh, What's the altitude? Uh, pretty high there. Um, it's probably at about 9,500 to 10, yeah. I think, there. Wow. But yeah. I'm pretty sure I'm saying that right. right. And not um, to be acclimated. That's a big... So, I screwed know. up, by the way. Yeah. I did. Um, I tried to do the, oh, it'll be all right kind of deal. Mm-hmm and just didn't follow the good advice and slept a little too high the first night I was there. Did you end up with a bad headache? I think I I think I just kind of kicked myself. I just gut punched myself. I mm-hmm. didn't get a super bad headache, mm-hmm. but I think I depleted myself before the hunt relief and started, started yeah. in some ways. Gotcha. And then overdid it on the first day probably for, for my conditioning. Um, so I did about eight miles and and um, you know, gained, oh, I think, twelve hundred feet, like a lot. Yeah, too much. Um, yeah. Well, during the summer, I had done a, I'd done a hike in New Mexico, just a little peak bag hike, and and I kept thinking, well, I did more than this then, mm-hmm. you know. Well, but I'd been up there for a week. Yep. The altitude wasn't quite as high, although it was pretty close. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that was, I, we hiked up to about ten thousand feet on that, uh, but we'd been sleeping below eight thousand feet every night for a week, and I don't know, it's just. Just a lot of difference. Super pleasant weather versus pretty cold, you know, anyway. Yeah. So I sat on this, found a big meadow, sat on this meadow for the rest of the day. Didn't see anything, but I saw like six hunters, you know. Um, Mm -hmm. By the way, the spot I had set up on before I broke my stove and bailed on, I heard like, I don't know, 27 gunshots come from up in there (laughs) during the day because it was right to the... Uh, sort of in the northeast of me, you know, uh, maybe uh, a, like, a mile. It, those experiences are going to impact you. Yeah, yeah, you learn from them. And... Not learn, but just, you know, it's like, I mean, one, you just, I'm learning it. You know, you're off doing this thing on your own, and then you're really not on your own. 
Uh, and then like, I mean, like to hear a lot of gunshots, you know, um, this probably has a, um, depends on that, what part of the hunt it is. It could create some anxiety, I bet, it, it, you know? It does, and it can create, um, I'm just inventing this term right now, so it may be goofy. I mean, I've probably heard it before. Is there a term called the treadmill effect? It can feel like um, you're putting in a lot of effort not really going anywhere. Mm-hmm. And yet you know that the effort is beneficial, right? Like, like I've run a million miles on a treadmill. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's worth it to get yeah. you in shape, but it's not as enjoyable as like yeah. running along the lake or something. Not until know. not until the uh, the reward part of it. Yeah, because so, you always look back. So sometimes know, it yeah. can feel like that, right? Yeah. Like or talking about the Orange Army, I was, you know, just to, to give credit. I mean, I was driving down. I was like, had noticed these guys. Like, man, they're just driving up and down the roads. But then one of them kills a nice mule deer, and it's like, well, more power to them, man. They're they're doing some good stuff out here. They're having their experience, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like they each gunshot might do the whole uh, fear of missing out a little, just a little bit. Too. Well, that'd be a great. We have kind of committed right now to not going down these yeah. psychology roads, but that is a great point. That is exact. It viscerally mm-hmm. creates a a fear of missing out. Yeah. Each one, right? Every time you hear it, just like just yeah. like our buddy Donnie, who we love and will teasingly talk about over the years, we can be on a spot in the middle of the freaking ocean and catching fish and he can see a boat that's like a speck he wants to go over there man he cannot resist it (laughs) he's got to go see what they're doing right fear of missing out even though we're doing fine where we are right or even wonderful where we are he's got to go he's got to go and and to your point i'm teasing donnie you're gonna listen to this donnie i'm i'm being good nature yeah every time you hear that gunshot you want to tell yourself lots of elk in the woods no big deal yeah but, but it's a little bit of a gut punch. Yeah. Yeah, it right. is. Yeah. It is. And in fact, to the point there that I stayed there for a day or two, and then I went to another plan where I went to literally mm-hmm. the end of the road. I was sort of talking about that earlier, mm-hmm. right? Where, where I was surrounded on three sides by wilderness area where no, no vehicles, mm-hmm. horses, and foot traffic only. In that last spot I was camping there that I was describing, uh, way up on the mountain, there was a beautiful clearing that I won't bore you with the details now, but just check so many boxes on what should be amazing for elk. And I was about an 800-foot elevation gain and about a mile up there, which you need to get a mile off, they say, if you know, to, to up your success. And by that point in the trip, I just I couldn't get there. And when I say I couldn't get there, I mean I didn't even try. <laughs> like I couldn't get there in my mind. Um, I just couldn't get there, hmm. you know. And uh, so it's still plaguing me a little bit. Hmm. And a secret spot that I have, by the way, that the biologist says that I, he doesn't think I can get to, but I think I can get to. That's still plaguing me. I didn't even try that spot. Hmm. So, so I guess my point is, um, not to end this hunting story too abruptly, um, started off with a bang, learned a ton about elk hunting, about being in the mountains, about traveling to hunt, a ton about myself, a ton about life. We'll talk all about that in some future stuff. Um, but had some, had some great experiences. Um, didn't come home, which is probably very apparent to 
to, to folks that have listened to these stories uh, didn't come home with an elk. Um, had a great trip, had a very successful trip, um, but definitely, and this is a word you can hear a lot from me, definitely have some unfinished business, uh, which is cool in a way. Maybe one of the, maybe here's the last takeaway. Unfinished business can be a terrible thing. In psychology, we use it to talk about the creation or the manifestation of anxiety. It can be a regretful thing. You'll hear guys say, you know, don't, don't leave anything on the mountain. You know, don't, don't be regretting for the next year that you wished you would have stayed one more day and done this or that. But unfinished business can be reframed as a motivator, as a thing that doesn't kick you out of the game but keeps you in the game. And I guess I'm happy to say, because I was worried, very worried. So this is not the product of me being good, wonderful or something. It's taken effort and intention to decide I want my unfinished business to be invigorating and exciting and keep me thinking about it and keep me wanting to go back. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can't wait. In fact, I can't wait so bad that I don't think I'm going to wait for elk season. I think I'm going to go spring turkey hunting up there uh, here in a couple of months to, you know, for the cause of scouting more for elk and getting more experience in the mountains and and uh, and what have you. That's awesome. Yeah. So, well, appreciate all that. Thanks for the meandering too. So, um, I, I, as you said, I think that there's additional in, additional podcast you know episodes here we can continue to unpack yeah more than we we kind of figured we would you know or be able to so and early on yeah. you know because uh, because as we've said been dreaming about hunt fish thrive and trying to talk about this psychology stuff and well-being and and uh, we'll be talking about relationships and talking about the environments the habitats we create around ourselves uh, naturally and otherwise uh, you know but we got all this that's been building up it's kind of like a band's first album and it's just like oh my god yeah. It's the best album, right? And then their second one sucks, right? But it's because they've been writing the first album for like 15 years. And then they got to write the second album in like, you know, four months. Yeah. Right? So we got a lot built up here yeah. that we're trying to put out there. And uh, so, so uh, you know, that'll, uh, we'll, we'll get a lot of that said. And I won't have to keep saying that over yeah, time. absolutely. Anyhow, but uh, anyhow, it's awesome. fun to talk about psychology in the context of hunting and fishing. Yeah, thanks for leading us. This is awesome. You bet, man. Thanks for asking me the questions. All right, thanks for being here for our second episode. And I know that uh, we were here to talk about the elk hunt. We talked about a lot of different things and a little bit about the elk hunt. And we're going to talk more in a future episode about some of the more personal stuff um, that I learned on this elk hunt. I learned a lot about myself uh, and a lot about uh, things that are good about myself and things that uh, I want to work on in myself. So. Look forward to that in the future, but thank you so much for being here uh, for this episode. And please give us feedback. We want to hear from you. Uh, We hope it's good. I'll be honest. I've been scared to do this because I've been scared of criticism. And yet, uh, I want to learn from the things that uh, you may have to teach me about how I can present these things to you because it is my deepest desire uh, to present uh, perspectives, philosophies, psychologies that can be helpful to you, to me, to us, 
Um, so give us feedback. If you want to give us a like or share, we would love that. Spread the word if you feel like what we're doing is good. Uh, and if you don't, tell us what we can do to do better because we want to serve you. Thank you so much for being here. See you next time. Thank you.